I like the sleeveless shirt too. This is. I don't. I'm not. I don't have any sleeves on my shirt either. We're showing a lot of skin here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get all like. Bleh, bleh. Yeah. You yeah, perfect. Check out our uh, conversation while we we're waiting. What happened? Oh wait, all the voice messages. Yeah, man. I think I might have had my phone on. I just I turned. I had my phone on airplane mode, and I turned it on to. Better save them. Oh just... yeah! <laughs> oh, it's like Christmas. <laughs> Jack, did you fart? Did you fart? Yeah, it was me. I forgot I had an earbud in. That's really dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying listen, to listen to it. Listen closer. It's episode eight, season two, 6 a.m. podcast, and we're on, suckers. It's on! What's going hey, on, Galino? If you go back and you listen to two episodes ago, Pat actually says season three. Yeah. I do. I didn't know if you would catch that or not. I almost took that out <laughs> in editing. <laughs> Look, everybody on this podcast knows that Pat has a methamphetamine problem, okay? And so it's a serious problem. We don't like to laugh about it, Galino. It's not I'm funny. Sorry comes with the mustache it's not a fu- it's not a laughing matter he's got a problem not- and he can't remember where he's at or what he's doing most of the time and it's not actually funny until his teeth fall out and then it's really funny <laughs> hey do you guys want to speak speaking of like a methamphetamine story you want to hear one of course all right this is a great way to kick off this podcast because this whole episode is about methamphetamines so nice here we go. This is a this is a true story. So I was once training uh, guys at a gym in Lancaster, which will remain nameless. The gym was awesome. It was not a, that's not an issue. Is that we had we did have a student who was a former meth addict. Okay, and he was missing all of his teeth, all of them, and uh, and he was a younger guy, so it was kind of it was surprising that he was missing so many teeth. Um, and you know, when you get the backstory, you kind of appreciate where it was good for him. You did changing his life and turning things around or whatever, but he was also an avid, uh, smoker. Okay. So he enjoyed, he enjoyed the cigarette, if you will. He wanted to get, but he did some wrestling in high school and so forth. He wanted to get back into grappling. So he started taking jujitsu classes with me. Okay. And I had at my disposal a, um, uh, an Olympic level, uh, Greco Roman coach. Um, who was also, you know, in on, on grappling with us and, and rolling. He wasn't doing any teaching, but he was there to, he was there to, to t- learn jujitsu and so forth. Okay. Great guy. Love this guy to death. At any rate, my Greco-Roman coach and this former meth addict would meet on the mats every now and again. And one of my favorite stories ever was watching the two of them roll in which the meth addict, um, <clears throat> lost his shit because he was getting his ass beat so bad and started crying on the mat. Okay. Started crying because, because the, this person who, again, will remain nameless, who's a, a Greco Roman coach and a, and a former, a former Marine was like, uh, he's like, what are you crying about? And he's like, he's, he's like, I'm out of breath. I'm just really tired and you won't give me a break. And he stops everything, gets up off the mat, looks at him, yells at him and says, well, stop fucking smoking then. <laughs> it was awesome it was a cautionary tale i love it (laughs) yeah yep so there there you go for all you for all you would-be grapplers out there if you smoke quit smoking well it's funny you say that i was thinking about a a guy who came into uh one of our classes 
Hey, what are you drinking there, Mr. Beck? Oh, uh, well, this episode is sponsored by Old Milwaukee. I like it better when there's a lady on the front. Oh, I know. They changed the can. Stupid. Old Milwaukee, if you're not a wimp. <laughs> Old Milwaukee, they changed the can. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, no, you the story. I'll, uh, I'll give them a call after this episode. Let them know. Switch yeah, back. About the can? Okay. Yeah, you know, it, once we tell them, they'll probably retract all the cans that are on the market. So there may be a dip in uh, availability for a minute. Yeah, it's okay. I've, I'm stocked up. And if, I'm, if I don't have enough, I know where to find some. And that's Joe Stetter. He's got, uh, I mean, I think he's, he drinks more old Milwaukee than I do. Who old? Mean, mean Joe Stetter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason he's so mean is because he drinks old Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, so anyways, um, it reminds me of a story when we were, we were, uh, we were in class and uh, we get a new guy who comes in and, you know, just FYI, if you're a smoker, even though you can't smell it, everybody else can. Right. That's affirmative. And so he came in and, you know, he just smelled like an old cigarette. And I, um, I told him, I, you know, he was, he was doing the same thing, you know, really huffing and puffing and, he just couldn't like, especially when he was on the bottom and someone was suffocating him, it was real bad for him. And, and he started freaking out. I said, listen, if you're going to do this, you, you've really got to stop smoking. This is not the place uh, yeah. for, for cigarettes and smoking. And, um, and he never came back. <laughs> so I guess, <laughs> I guess we know now what. <laughs> I mean, you got to make a choice. I mean, I respect your decision to continue to smoke, but yeah, grappling is probably not going to be your jam. Yeah. It requires a certain like level of uh, cardiovascular health. It sure does. Yeah. A little bit of uh, a certain level, level of, uh, of lung clarity or, or what we like to refer to in, in the sport as pink lung. Yeah. Some pink lung helps a lot. And hey, listen, I'm with all of you folks out there that are former smokers. I used to smoke and, uh, and I, loved, I loved cigarettes. I loved them. And, uh, and then when I started fighting and started grappling, I had to make a choice. And that's the, that was the bottom line. Which one did I love more? Well, I think the answer is obvious. That's so, right. And if I can quit, let me tell you, kids, anybody can quit. It is a yeah. true story. Yeah, we joke around, but, you know, they, the, the two don't mix. And, you know, the reality is um, once you get bit by the bug, that, they don't make your, uh, your cigarette habit that much easier to quit. It's gone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You got to get rid of it. You got to ditch it, man. It, it, it ain't going to fly. It ain't gonna fly. Yeah. It's okay if you're like, uh, I think you can get away with it if you're in your 20s, your early 20s. You start getting into your late 20s, early 30s, man. That's a no-go. No-go. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. When you're like 22, you can smoke like three packs a day and still beat the shit out of everyone. It's not cool. <laughs> we actually <laughs> had one of those guys. He would come in and he was like a freaking animal. He's yeah. like 6'4" gigantic yeah. big weightlifter yeah and he'd be like well i'm a little sore today i've spent the whole weekend drinking and smoking yeah Mark. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and i was like wrong. fuck you <laughs> 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 yep totally true yep it's a true story kids yeah yep so don't smoke it's not good for you don't even start that shit so anyway here we are, kids. We're on the next episode of the 6 a.m. podcast. And uh, what are we talking about today, Galino? You got some thoughts on this one? What are we doing? Well, we're talking about, uh, you know, sport jujitsu versus 
jujitsu jujitsu or <laughs> self-defense jujitsu street jujitsu right and how basically how you know sport jujitsu guys actually can never win a fight if it was a real fight if it was on the street yeah there's no absolutely yeah. no way they don't know how to do street moves yeah the the it could because it's locked behind some sort of secret door that nobody learns this is one of my favorite topics guys i love the street versus sport jujitsu topic Pat, do you have any uh, inside information on the street or any any uh, knowledge of the street versus sport jujitsu competition here or the, or the debate, I should call it? Are uh, you, are no, you no. familiar with this in your young jujitsu life? Not, not really. I didn't know that there was that much of a difference between the two. I guess. Uh, I guess. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I remember hearing the uh, the uh, who is it? The what is going on over there? Are people. Oh no, I don't. I don't. I'm trying to. I'm trying to focus on remembering the the main people. Uh, the uh, Gracies, the 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 younger Gracie boys would uh, leave the the <laughs> they would leave the jujitsu studio and they would uh, go out and like get into like street fights to to test their jujitsu and stuff like that. That's Not exactly. Okay. Not exactly. Okay. It was called it was called the Gracie Challenge, and it still exists today. And the Gracie Challenge said that anybody who felt like they, they could beat them on the mat was welcome to come in and challenge them uh, to a duel. So and they would show the world, they would show the world that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu could beat anybody. So what, which one yeah, would, and, be, that would be? And kind of what you're thinking about, Pat, uh, along the lines of what you're thinking, actually um, BJ Penn would do what you're saying and he would go out and pick fights. Still does. <laughs> I guess the guy just liked to bang. I mean, it's just the way it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you will get some knuckleheads and this is like, the, this is the, uh, the impotence of like Valley Tudo and, you know, like sort of like the no holds barred type of fighting environment that we now know and love as the UFC. Yeah. Right? So is there, so is there like a, is there like a underground, some kind of Kumite, submission only jujitsu kind of matches out there like a fight club yeah yeah, yeah. it's called it's called open mats <laughs> <laughs> so yeah in terms of in terms of like underground kumite street fighting jujitsu uh i'm not allowed to talk about it i am a world champion don't ask me about my record it's way better than yours that's all you need to know about it so whatever your record is mine's better than that and i'm a champion don't test me because i can't use those kind of moves it's illegal yeah, they were banned. They're put on the black market. Oh no! So, so I can't ever challenge you for the belt or anything like that. I can't. Nope. nope, it's it's closed. It's completely closed now. They, you know, the world's too PC now. We don't fight like that anymore. And you so. can't tell me anything about it except for the fact that you're the best at it. That's it. That's all you need to know. What else do you need to know? Well, then I guess then that's the only thing I know about it so far. So, <laughs> well, I guess if we're gonna have anybody talk about it, we should have the, the world champion. That's right. It's a, I'm a world champion at a Secret Kumite uh, Street Fighting. That's it. Bare knuckle boxing fighting champion jujitsu. Is, is there legitimately like street jujitsu though? Like street fighting jujitsu? So so here's the thing, right? So so we get into this great like debate about street versus sport. So Brazilian jujitsu, like every other martial art, is created around a system of self defense. And the the Gracies had taken Japanese jujitsu and had crafted it. So that, uh, so that it would function for people that were smaller against larger, stronger opponents. The idea was based on a system of leverage. 
So it was about doing moves, the, the jujitsu, the Japanese jujitsu moves for a guy that was smaller against a guy that was larger. And the idea was to use this as a self-defense model. The only difference was, is that in this particular model of jujitsu for Brazilian jujitsu or Gracie jujitsu, if you like, is that it was sparred against, against live opponents. So for the first time in martial art his, history almost, you had guys that were training and were uh, applying those techniques against fully resisting opponents to see if things worked, what worked and what didn't work. It was one of the most brilliant uh, attributes of this martial art and which is one that we enjoy to this day. So, sort of like Ip Man. Right, exactly, yeah. Perfectly said. Did you want to add to the history there, Galeno? Because I don't want to fuck anything up. No, no, no. I like it. You know, I, the only thing I would add is that, um, you know, it's, it's funny as, as we take what the Gracies did with it and then we kind of go into reverse, you find a lot of those same moves are, are, uh, are rediscovered in Japanese jiu-jitsu and then even digging further into uh, judo and yep. the origins of, of jiu-jitsu. And uh, it's funny, it's, it's a revolving cyclical martial art. Um, but I think that answers, Pat, your question is that all jujitsu originally was intended for self-defense as a martial art. And um, like judo, I think in a sense, the hope was is that we could take jujitsu and apply a sport uh, game set and rule set to it, hoping that one day we could potentially engage in the lip, the Olympics. Yeah. And as it continues to, you know, and competition is a great thing. And, um, but I think it's, it's always aiming towards the, uh, the more of the athletic component as opposed to um, what we might find as potentially life-saving moves, um, things to protect yourself. Whereas in sports jujitsu, Sometimes those things go out the window because no one's really trying to cut your neck open with a knife. Right. Or punch you in the face for that matter. You or know. bite your balls. Or bite your balls. But I will say this, that, uh, you know, that is often the, the argument about this, the, uh, the street self-defense guy, okay, who doesn't actually know any jujitsu. It's one of my favorite. In fact, an argument similar to this had occurred on Facebook uh, between uh, one of our head instructors, David Brogan, and some random dude from across the country or whatever. And it, it just recently. And it was, it was fascinating, actually, to watch this, uh, this argument unfold. And it, and it unfolded predictably like every other argument about uh, whether or not jujitsu actually works or, you know, any of this other stuff. It didn't delve into the, the sport versus street debate, which that's more of like a, um, that's more of an internal argument with, with jujitsu. Uh, and that comes from like, that comes from a lot of, and we'll dive into this later, but that comes a lot from like the, the purest uh, view of a martial art versus its contemporary uh, counterpart. But at any rate, the, the argument like always devolves into this, like, you don't know my background in fighting arts or whatever, you know nothing about me. And it, uh, it ultimately, and Galino will speak to this too, it'll ultimately lead to somebody talking about like the 900 street fights they've been in and they've never lost a single one and they can teach you the way. Now this one didn't get that far, but like, but the truth of the matter is, is that the guy that was arguing with Brogan, like Brogan's record and career as a martial artist and as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor is, is you can vet it. You can go online and look at it right now and see that he's a legit guy. 
he does this thing, you know, he teaches and, and is part owner in the school. And, uh, you know, he does it, he does it all the time. And you don't have to ask if he's legit or if he's real or not. And the other guy was just dodging, you know, questions left or right. His whole argument was about like that training jujitsu after a certain period of time has diminishing returns, which is complete bullshit. Not our topic for today, but but the argument itself was pretty much was pretty similar, and it always comes from people that don't know jujitsu, don't understand it. I think. Can I uh, can I spoil this and we'll work backwards? I'll give what yeah, the go ahead. one secret is. If you want to be a really good street fighter using jujitsu, let's work backwards. So the answer sure. is on the streets you need to pull guard. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Look, if you guys are in doubt, pull guard. Invert. It works. It works every time. Yeah. Barambolo. So, <laughs> well, I would say working backwards, I have to say this, like, and uh, to Galino's point earlier, is that, is that sport, the sport of jiu-jitsu was created so that it was more accessible to more people. When the Gracies came to the United States, their, their plan wasn't just to, like, keep this insular and, and secret to them. They actually wanted to start a movement that included all these people learning jujitsu. And in order for that to work, you have to have some, some rules. You know, you can't just throw people into the lion's den and expect them. You're going to have a very small, a very small contingent of the, of the population that's interested in jujitsu. And so you create rules. And out of those rules, you create competition so that you can display those uh, skill sets in a safe and controlled environment. And, it, and that is the sport of jujitsu. But, Yes, there are components of jujitsu that, that dictate this. So there's a percentage, and I don't know what it is. We're really good at percentages on this podcast. 65. 65%, but I would argue that it's even more than that. Let's say 85% of all fights end up on the ground. If anybody here listening to this podcast has ever been in a bar fight, right after the first blow, or right after the first hail, the, you know, haymaker that comes out of nowhere, what happens? The guy the dies from yeah, the hugging starts and the, the guy dives for your legs and you end up on the ground. And that's where the guard came from. The guard was like, the guard said, look, you know, these fights go to the ground. And what makes jujitsu unique to all other grappling is that we have what's known as the guard. But the idea was to use the guard to get the guy off of you and to, and to improve your position so that you were on top. So if you were stuck on the bottom, you could use the guard to protect yourself from getting hit with punches or bricks or whatever and get the guy off of you, sweep him, and get on top of him. And that was the, that was the goal. But no, the answer to your question, Galino, is don't pull guard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be there if you don't have to be. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so over time, what has happened is that we've created an environment in which like the purists uh, or the, the so-called purists of jiu-jitsu have come about to say that that like the sport of jujitsu has become an abomination, and that it was never intended to do these things, and the rules are are dumb, and there's too many guys that are working towards the point system in jujitsu versus trying to finish them, and you know I just don't agree. I just think that it's it is it is another slice of the jujitsu pie that exists, and you can participate in it or you don't have to. It's your call. But I think it's I think it's really beneficial for especially jujitsu practitioners, especially professional ones, to have an avenue to demonstrate their skill set 
and perform jujitsu at a level that at some point I'm hoping will they'll be uh, reasonably paid for their efforts as athletes. Well, you know, do you know what's interesting, Jeff? If you're if you're really challenging the theory that a sports jujitsu guy, high level, the guys you see on YouTube, you know, you Google, you know, awesome jujitsu match, the guys you see in there. Here's here's a good way to test this theory. Go train in one of their schools. There's a lot of them that are yep. accessible. Yep. or go to a seminar, you will find that there's no shortage of their ability to finish a fight. It's, it, the, the difference is, is that they shift their mind to either the point game during the match, and, and trust me, if they could finish a fight on the point game, they will, they will still do that. But the other person's a high-level competitor too. You're not just right. going to do right. whatever you want. And, and I think what ends up happening is we watch these sports jujitsu fights and you have really the best of the best. These guys don't get to fight each other because one guy's coming up through the ranks. It's not like, even in the UFC, right? You have guys who have to fight in and, and they, right. they, they basically get that, that same guy that, that fights in all the new UFC guys, right? Right. And you got to make it through the headbanger before you get to any of like the untouchables. Because right. you just don't get to do that. And the same thing in, in tournament jiu-jitsu, high-level jiu-jitsu, that these guys, by the time you see them on YouTube, they're both really high-level. And they've got a lot of checkmates. They've got oh. a lot of, of you know, moves, counter moves. And I think what ends up happening is and you will find that a lot of those fights are really boring because they nullify a lot of each other's strengths. Right. But you take the same guy. And you take a guy off the street, any guy with zero training, take him off the street, that same sports jujitsu fight is going to look drastically different. And I'll it prove is. it. Go to any of the first round fights in a jujitsu tournament and follow someone like Buchecha or, um, or Jacarek and watch their very first fight because they'll be teamed up with like a brand new black belt. Right. And that will look exactly like what you're looking for in a street fight, except for the, the black belt's been doing jujitsu a long time. That'll show you how good they are. Right, right. And that's, and that is a, I think that's a fair assessment. When you're watching, when you're watching two high level competitors, you're watching them neutralize each other's technique. And so it looks to the, to the uninitiated, it will look slow or boring. For, for us as jujitsu practitioners, it's extraordinarily exciting. And it's a game of millimeters. It is a game of millimeters. And, and it's because we can put ourselves in that position. We can understand what's going on. And so I appreciate to the layman that it's, this isn't necessarily uh, super exciting. But I will also note that like in the, in the beginning for, and Pat, to the, we were talking about the Gracie Challenge before. If you ever watch any of those Gracie Challenge videos from back in the day, they use strikes. They, did, they weren't afraid to like throw punches or kicks. It's just that those punches and kicks were used as an opening to get them to the ground. And, and they weren't afraid to throw strikes from a dominant position because the whole idea was that if you're going to throw a strike, you better be in a position where you can, you can dominate. And that position is, is predicated upon Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? So, I mean, it wasn't, so it's about, it's about advancing your position and dominating in, in that position. So for those of you that, you know, don't like or think that striking isn't a part of jujitsu. It is. It's just not the. It is just not the core of what we what we train. What we train is positional dominance. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a really high level competitor came to our school, 
And um, first time I've ever seen this, by the way, you know, when, when people come to your school and teach, it's very often in a uh, non-combative way. No one gets to wrestle with them. No one gets to grapple, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Well, this, this person in particular, he came to our school, and a lot of times these guys seem they're untouchable. But at the end of the seminar, he sat down in the middle of that and had everybody sit around him in a big circle. So we, I think at that seminar, we probably had – I felt like the floors were going to cave in, so let's call it 100 plus. Yeah, yeah 100 plus. Yep, yep. And, um, and he said – he talked for a minute or two, and, and he said, okay, uh, get, give me one of your, your best guys, you know, and send them out. And so over the course of this time, we, we sent out probably um, four or five purple belts yeah. and two or three brown belts. And not only did he beat them in what, what was just basically saying, and, and by the way, this guy's like maybe five feet tall. Okay. Right. right. And not only did he beat anybody that walked out there, but he beat him with the same arm bar and he beat them very quickly. There was not much. Yeah. And, and it, it just shows, goes to show you like even our purple belts, you know, average of six, seven years on the mats, our brown belts, you know, almost 10 years on the mats, like, you know, the, these are guys that don't know how to fight, and he beat them that quickly, right? And yeah. you're talking about a sports jujitsu guy. Right, right. So what do you think he's going to do to you at the bar? Yeah. You know, I, I, and, you know and to be fair, and to be fair, I will say this, is that like, like a, a guy like that with that kind of experience, he will be, and, and Galeno and I, uh, you know, we, we promote this a lot. He'd be the guy that would walk away from that fight first. You know, he's Absolutely. not gonna. He's not gonna. He's gonna be like, okay, you can run your mouth all you want. You know, you. If, but if it came to blows, he's going. He's going to. He's going to wreck you, and you're not even gonna know what happened to you. You're not gonna understand what happened to you. Be a little too fast. It'll so be too he, fast. let me throw something else in there too. Uh, and and here's what, here's what like the all the sports jujitsu guys they don't know what they're doing. That 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 whole community, that whole thought thought process doesn't take into account the fact that some of these guys started off as Kempo or karate, sure, sure. high-level competitors, Taekwondo. Look at, look at Joe Rogan was a yep. high-level Taekwondo competitor. Yep. Um, and then some guys are really high-level judo. Some of them are both. We had a guy um, in our school for a while who was uh, a karate black belt. He was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he was an Olympic judo um, black belt. And and so that person that you think might be a sports jujitsu guy isn't even going to do jujitsu with you. He's going to throw you onto your head and probably kill you before. I mean, right. Started. <laughs> right. Yeah, that right. That story is over, my friend. It's over. You don't even know what happened to you. There's not. There's not going to be any. There's not going to be any time for you to decide or figure out what happened. Unless somebody was filming it, you're done. That was it. You have no idea what happened to you. So no. you think we've squashed that bug? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Pat, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I honestly, I, I guess I didn't realize the, I, I mean, it makes sense to go like a lot of times if you're points jujitsu or something like that compared to street fighting, I can see the similarities. Like you said, they're being striking because even before I was even thinking about it, I was thinking like, oh yeah, this is, this would be a position where I would hit you. You know what I mean? Like if, the, sure. if, I, if we were fighting, like, this is what I would try to do to fight you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is stuff, like, and I, so I've thought of it like that. I don't know if I ever, I guess I never thought that there was that much of a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I didn't think that there was that much of a difference between 
uh, of the thought of it. I, I do think like, oh, I want to go for an armbar. I'm not going to think that when I'm in a fight, but I'm going to be thinking about stopping this person from beating me up. But right. That, and let, that's me this in there. Let, me, let me throw this in there because th this is going to mix it up a little bit. What if I were to say, if you go into a school and one guy is, you guys got me? Yep, we're here. Here I am. So one guy's a high-level sports jujitsu competitor. You know what he can do. You see him compete. You know he's really, really good. What about the guy who's been a black belt for 25 years, not a sports competitor, okay. but more of a self-defense guy? Is he better or is he scarier? Should you fear him more? Uh, okay, so we, should we fear the uh, – okay, same art. So we're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. We're talking about the guy that has 25 years of experience under his belt, his black belt, focuses mostly on self-defense fundamentals, and then you've got the young black belt who is a competitor. Yeah. Which one should you fear more? Right. You, you should fear the young competitor at black belt more than the self-defense guy. Are we right? That's my opinion. That was my I'm throwing it out there. Oh, <laughs> oh I thought you had an answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I, I thought got some of the answers. Okay, good. Well, okay. So that's uh, so yeah, I would th yeah, I would think that either way, not just because of not just the age, I would think of the like the street fighter guys probably taking more damage maybe? Like would that be the well, I mean some part of the math there or 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 is that just literally the mindset? I think it's the I think for me personally is that, you know, we we again and, and we try our very best on this podcast to like de demystify a lot of the, the things that are not truthful about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? And I think that that's, I think that's a fair shake. It's a fair shake to all martial arts in the world. And, that, and as Galeno pointed out, I'll say this too, is that we have a lot of uh, practitioners that come from different martial arts. And, and I think that to a degree, for the most part, and I can't speak for all martial arts, but I can say for the most part that there's some value in martial arts the world over. We just happen to think that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the greatest of all martial arts. And frankly, it really isn't a debate there. It is the greatest of all martial arts. True. That said, yeah, that good. said, there is value in like the things that you've learned, the way that you've learned how to control and move your body and use those tools and so forth. All of that said, if you have two, two people that are, that are of the same art and one has focused a tremendous amount of time on the fundamentals of self-defense and, and so on and so forth, and you have somebody that is much younger, stronger, faster. We, one of the myths that we, that we really needed to debunk with jujitsu is that, is that size and speed and age does matter. Now, that's not to say that the, the old guy can't hold his own against the young guy. It's just saying that if I had to put money on the fight, I would put it on the, the young, uh, young buck with a, with a similar skill set. I was trying to, oh yeah, I, I was trying to say more of like, I think the age plus the extra wear and tear would be the thing, but that was, that was, I, I wasn't well, sure that's the age. Part. Well, before you get high in the age, I mean, 25 year black belt could have been an 18 year old. So you're talking someone who could be 43 years old, uh -huh. right? You're talking yep. someone who could be 43 years old and in the prime of his life, but he doesn't have the same hang up of scoring points. His only focus is to end a fight. Right. Right. So, so that there, there's a, beat, a debate that we had there, because um, there are some guys that I've rolled with, uh, you know, at, 
as a lot of the you know listeners know over the years sure we've talked about the fact that i travel a lot i train in different places and um i i've come across some guys that i um are, are were older than me but they i mean they, and, and they were they were slower than me but they scared me they yeah, scared awesome. me and, and and because yeah. they they didn't have this like hey you know i'm gonna you know competition i'm gonna shake hands when i'm done like you know you know move the sport of jujitsu for like these guys were all about like we get in a confrontation that's a scary that's a scary person right i i will give you that and i will say that 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 is definitely true and i and i would think if you were if you were that young man and you were going against somebody that had that kind of experience it would be a mistake for you to take it lightly absolutely yeah it, it would be a mistake because that person will take advantage of your ignorance and uh, you'll find yourself in a lot of trouble really quick. That's hundred percent true. I'll agree with that. I just think that if you have, if you, if you are putting those two skill sets together in a competition that said, you know, the, the aim of this particular fight is to end it as quickly as possible. You know, that I believe that the younger man has the advantage. I, I think the only fear you're right. I, I agree with you. I think the person you should fear the most then is not necessarily the, the guy who's not the competitor focused on self-defense, not necessarily the sports competitor, um, but the one who's able to pull out the stop. You know, like there's a stop that we all have, and that's usually in a school setting where you go for an arm bar, you don't really yeah. go for it. You don't really yeah. go for it. If you do, you're a jerk, and you'll probably not make friends, and the next thing you know, you won't have rolling partners and you'll be hurting people but there are guys out there that have the ability and they know when and they, they know how to pull the pin on the grenade right yep yep and really that's well the said. one you need to fear is the one who knows how to pull the pin yep really well said billy no and i'll tell you this that like uh my my career in uh brazilian jiu-jitsu and martial arts started in the world of jeet kundo which was bruce lee's actual martial art and he called it uh the uh, flipping the switch right he called it the killer instinct and for those, those competitors or those practitioners, we should say, just in general, who are able to flip that switch and, and move to like that, that arena of fighting without, without thought, um, they are definitely the, the scariest of, of individuals. And yeah, you don't know I would who, say, you know who those people are, by the way. You don't know who I, they I are. Do, I do know one. And um, I, it's always kind of, it's always been in the back of my mind that you, you need to tread lightly. And we had him on the show just recently is uh, Greg Anderson. Oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, Greg Anderson uses jujitsu not only as an outlet and as exercise and as enjoyment, but, you know, his, his profession relies on it as well. And when True. you take a guy like that, um, you know, Greg, Greg has that, like, that quiet confidence, but he also has that, like, kind of that glimmer behind his eye that says, you know, I'll let you go so far, but that then it's enough. Yep, exactly. I have, I have two great stories for you, but first, Pat, you need to make a mark on this note. I got to pee. So I'll be right back. And I got to tell you these stories about Greg. It's awesome. I've got two great stories and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to like what's on your mind here for this episode. And they're both brief stories, but uh, you know, one is the one, the one story that solidified it for me for Greg and I hope he'll forgive me for telling the story. 
and I will spare you all the details, but Greg does work in law enforcement. And let's just say that he had to take down an armed guy uh, and he used jujitsu. Okay. And I remember seeing him the next day at a, a, a private rolling session and he looked bedraggled. He had a long night. And the first thing he said when he walked in the door was the, were these words and I'll never forget them. And that was it for me. That was like, this is my guy. He said, you know what I believe in? And I said, what's that, Greg? And he said, I believe in jujitsu. And he told me this story, you know? So he uses it in real life. And that was, that was incredible. Second story, the second story is this, is that I saw somebody trying to like fuck with him on the mat one day, you know, like playing around with him before class. And for those of you that don't know know this story. Yeah, he does not. I love this story. Yeah, he's not the guy that you like screw around with. So speaking about flipping the switch, like this, one of our students was like screwing around with him one day, like, and he's just not that guy. He doesn't want to play with you before class. He doesn't want to like, you know, uh, laugh and giggle with you. So he doesn't want you to come up behind him. And yeah, he doesn't want you to come up behind him and like pretend to choke him because as soon as that happens, that switch flips. And I watched it before class and one of our students did that and sunk his hooks in and took his back. And Greg turned it on and like within like 15 seconds, this match was over. <laughs> <laughs> so lesson it. learned. <laughs> I love it. So that's, you know, that's and, you and, it's, and it's funny because um, th- it takes, it takes that. And I think, you know, to, to bring this all home, um, that's a great example that you just never know who you're, screwing with or and and yeah as as i've done jujitsu longer and longer it's always it's always fresh on my mind when i first started i was the toughest guy in the world right and anywhere that i i could look that somebody was like giving me a look or you know could possibly turn into a fight i was ready because i did jujitsu i was a white belt but i knew what i was doing and i you know what i could really the reality is the longer I've done jujitsu, even to this point now, I am less self-assured in my skills against an unknown opponent. I am more wary of what other people can do. I, I literally would rather run away from a fight than have to use anything I know. Right, right, right. And I think that's a knowledge that, like, that comes with time and the understanding of what kind of damage can happen to somebody with the amount of, of with, the, with the smallest amount of knowledge in jujitsu, for instance, the amount of damage that you know you can do to somebody else is very apparent to those of us that have been doing it for a long time. And so I think for the most part, like our, you know, and this is the thing to remember if you're in this, if you're in the sport versus street jujitsu debate, is that like for the most part, all of us that train in martial arts are training against other trained people. And all you have to do is wait for the day that you get a brand new person coming onto the mat and go and roll with them and see what happens. And I guarantee you, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be terrified by the knowledge that you possess in just in the small amount of time of jujitsu. So, yep, yeah. there you go. And, and for those of us that have been doing it for a long time, we're, we are going to be, and I, and I, I think this is true of most, uh, most practitioners, is that we will do everything we can to avoid fighting because we know what happens otherwise. Yeah, and, and, and to bring it home with, uh, with someone like, like Greg that, you know, the guys who are able to pull the pin, remember, don't point a gun unless you're intending to kill. And some guys, that's how they feel. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I feel the way I feel because at the end of the day, you don't know who you're messing with. You don't know how far people think joking is going. 
and uh, you just you just might find the wrong guy. <laughs> you might. <laughs> you might indeed. You might indeed. So, so what's up, Mr. Beck? What's on your mind today? Oh, my gosh. What's on my mind? I wish you wouldn't have started with me first. <laughs> I don't know that I have anything on my mind. You know, I will say this. You got nothing on your mind? I do. I actually have one really important thing on my mind. You know what it is? Yeah. It's, it's on our students in 6 a.m. class. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I was, I was blown away and completely amazed. Our gym has moved into the reopening phases, uh, you know, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, uh, and you have to, we have a limited amount of students that are allowed in the class. And, um, and I was blown away by, the, by this uh, message that I received from one of the owners that said, we need to talk about whether or not we're going to open up additional mats to include more students. And, and it was the outpouring of, of support and desire to get on the mat at the 6 a.m. class that I was just completely blown away by. So I just want to take this moment to say that what's on my mind is to let all of my 6 a.m. students know and all of Galeno's 6 a.m. students know is that like we've in all the years that we've been doing this, there's not been a time that we just haven't been completely blown away by by uh, the support that we received on on the mats. Uh, your willingness to learn and uh, and our ability to learn from you guys. So that has been on my mind. So big ups to the 6 a.m. crew. Yeah, you guys fucking rock. Well said. Love you guys. Yeah. How about you, Pat? What's on your mind, brother? Uh, honestly, that was that was kind of the the just of mine. Like was being back. I I'm I'm really excited to uh, be back on the mats. I'm, I've been loving class. I've, uh, I feel like I've adapted well to the having to have like one partner kind of thing. I feel like it's, I've, uh, it's just, it's just great to be back and have a routine again, have my exercise again, you know, hang out with my buddies again, stuff like that. Like it, it's nice to, to be able to be social in a thing that I love in a place that I love, which brings me to the, the thing that I, another thing I'm back to. I think I'm going to be going on a little mini tour coming up uh, to Delaware, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, stuff like that. Uh, a buddy of mine, Lamare and uh, Dorian are putting together some shows and uh, we're hitting the road. We're going to try to try to hit everybody before everything comes back fully and then closes everything back down again. So uh, we can <laughs> try to get that a couple shows in, do some uh, live shows. So if you're in the areas of, Again, I don't I don't have the specifics down, but it's going to be uh, like mid July, maybe second week or third week in July, hopefully, and uh, and I'll still be able to record on the road and everything. Don't worry, but uh, I just wanted to make sure to to put that out there to say it's great to be back everywhere. Good, yeah, it's awesome, and congratulations on that too. If you get out there and get on the road and everything, and and if I can for just one second, I'm just going to give another shout out to uh, Baby Mermaid Productions. Yeah, that's Pat's production company. He's the guy that produces our shows and, and puts these on there. And he's got a host of great other episodes on there, like uh, like the Gross Domesticated Pro uh, Podcast, uh, Proper Eubonics. So, like, if you guys have not had an opportunity to go in there and check these episodes out and these shows out, they're great, great people, uh, terrifically funny. Love that stuff. So, uh, good on you, Pat. Good job. Man. I love it. Thank you. Appreciate it. What about you, Galena? Well, what I have on my mind is steak. Oh, tell me about it. But speak slowly so I can enjoy this. Go real slow. Let me I recently bought a beautiful cow. You did frozen. it. I mean, frozen, of course. Of course. <laughs> beautiful, finely marbled steak, hamburger, beef, 
so the first thing I did when I went in, I said, uh, hey, uh, what's, what was the cow's name? <laughs> they, they think that was funny. But, you know, the reality is, like, you know, you go and you buy a cow, you know that one cow gave its life for your food. Um, I, I got to say, I'm pretty excited about being much closer to uh, the food chain, you know, the okay. yeah. supply chain of food. Um, I know a lot of hunters feel this way, uh, being very close to the animal that, you know, they harvest. There, a lot of times when you buy food in a package and it looks like, you know, maybe it came out of a machine or whatever, you know, yeah. something gave its life to put its, you know, to put this food on your plate, right? And, sure. you know, sometimes people will cook things up and just dump it in the trash, be like, nah, we didn't finish it, you know, right. and, and it's a very disrespectful thing. Um, and it's much better to be close to your food, right? And so we're very close to this food. They literally walked this cow in uh, past the window as, you know, as people were standing there. They butcher it up, you know, they package it, and, you know, you come and pick it up. And so it's very, very close to your food. But uh, we cooked up some steaks today, and they are, they are delicious, just salt and nice. pepper. We did, a, um, we did a skirt steak, a, 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 pr a prime rib steak and just a, a regular old sirloin just to kind of get a variety off of it. It was the first we've eaten of it and it was absolutely perfect. So amazing. Um, I've got a full belly and a happy and a happy demeanor. So that's, that's amazing. And I will tell you that one of the greatest gifts that my mom uh, and dad ever gave uh, my family was we would split like half a cow, you know, yeah. and have a freezer full of meat. And, uh, you know, the, the farm that we, that we got the, the cow from was amazing. The uh, people that butchered it, processed it, uh, Wanger's Meats, terrific job. And I tell you, like, there's just, it's, it's amazing. And, and, I, uh, and I, look, lots of people that are, are vegetarian, vegan, I respect your, your uh, life choices and, and decisions not to eat meat. I'm not one of those guys. I've got, I love, I love steak. And you cannot beat a uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. I want to say, do you want to call it fresh meat? I don't know. Yeah, What's beat your meat. Say? You say yeah, you can't fresh. beat your meat. You can't beat. You can't beat you beat beating your meat. It's perfect. That's right. <laughs> it's I mean, I do it all the time. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go back to you can't go back to buying like uh, whatever the shit is you buy at the grocery store. It just is terrible. No. So if you, you haven't done it, vegetables. yeah. If you haven't done it. The first time you'll you'll spend a little bit of money getting a freezer and a cow, but yeah. trust me, from then on out, it's much cheaper, it's much fresher. Um, you know, we went all natural, Angus. Yep. Yep. And uh, yep. you know, it, I just couldn't be happier. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Bunch of carnivores over here. Yeah, bunch of carnivores. But again, uh, I think this is uh, this is probably true of, of most people who either hunt for their their uh, meat or at least have that perspective is that uh, the, the closeness that you have to the, the, and the gratitude that you have for the life that was given for your sustenance is a big deal. That's cool. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that. So anyway, that's it. That's, that's it, it, fellas. That's it for this episode. So uh, keep on keeping on and uh, we'll see all you knuckleheads on the mat. And remember, don't point a gun unless you intend to kill. Rules to live by. <laughs>